Every now and then, I meet someone who's changing the world for the better by their sheer will alone. Whether they're authors, activists, or adventurous, these people are blazing a path with their deep enthusiasm and allowing the world to follow. Their passion is strong, and my passion is to tell their stories. I am Brian Platt, and this is Passion Project. Hey, what's going on, guys? So in this episode of the podcast, I speak with Sam Sitaria of the Waterbear Network. So the Waterbear Network is an interactive streaming platform that's dedicated to the future of the planet. And what I like about them is they have a lot of content that is talking about sustainability and biodiversity and how to combat climate change. But they actually allow uh, viewers to take action after they watch something. So a lot of times these videos are tied with a, either an initiative or a program or just a nonprofit that needs support from viewers. And what Waterbear does is connects the viewer with the nonprofit, with the initiative, with the critical um, mission on the other end. I think that's incredibly important right now where people are, well, a lot of people are stuck at home and thinking of ways they can help. And um, Waterbear bridges that gap. I really enjoyed speaking with Sam. Um, he's a super eloquent, really nice guy, but also you can tell he's incredibly passionate about storytelling and about video. Um, and about conservation and the environment in general. Another thing I really liked about Water Bear was that they practice what they preach. They don't just say, hey, we're about sustainability, but they actually put that in there, um, you know, how they create the videos, where they host the videos, um, and kind of build that sustainability ethos into their entire platform and, um, you know, uh, future road mapping as well. So, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. I really did. Sam was very enjoyable to talk to, and I'm very excited to see what the Water Bear Network does in the future. Um, they had a really interesting roadmap that Sam talks us through, um, and like really cool plans for the future as well in terms of rolling out different types of content. When I was doing the interview, I was scrolling through the site, and I actually saw new content uploaded right at the moment. So really cool. They're constantly making new things and constantly putting new things up. And again, constantly connecting people with those nonprofit with those missions and those initiatives that need so much support right now um, in these trying times. So as always, if you could like, rate, review, subscribe, follow, all that stuff, it helps so much. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed. All right. Well, thanks, Sam. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, so for the uninitiated, let's talk a little bit about what is Water Bear. Yeah, no, thanks so much for asking and for, for having us here today. Water Bear, very simply, is the first interactive video on-demand platform dedicated to our planet. And, and really, it does what it says on the tin. You know, we bring three main pillars together. The first is an amazing watch environment where you can watch and dive into and lose yourself in stories from around our world. You know, this is solutions, documentaries, interviews, impact, uh, non-profits. You can kind of dive into their worlds, their stories and learn and, and, and find out lots more about them through, through amazing films. Um, we then link that interactively to our global network of partners. We have over 80 non-profits that have joined the network and we try and distribute their stories to new audiences and actually create content with them which is really exciting and one of the most exciting bits of our work and you know just to learn and interact with these partners is, is such a, a joy and, and, and interesting um, experience for our whole team and really the kind of third pillar is the technology that links those two things together so we're a mobile app and platform you can download Waterbed for free and actually dive in 
um, to the stories um, whenever whenever you want, really. So it's it's a really exciting vision. We bring those things together and, and try and have this one-stop shop for sustainability, stories, action, um, and some of the most amazing and inspirational organizations and people on our planet. I love that. Um, well, first, how did the name Water Bear come about? What, what does that say? Yes. <laughs> do you know what a water bear is? I do, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, for those who don't, it's uh, one of the most resilient animals on Earth. It's a tiny micro animal that exists almost everywhere. You know, you can find these things under the sea, in volcanoes, um, on the moon. Uh, actually, funny that there was a BBC News article once about water bears, and, and the, the title read, Water Bears Found on Moon. And I had a text from a friend went, how big's your PR budget? <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, I joke, but, you know, water bears are some of the coolest little creatures out there. And really, they're our mascot for how amazing, innovative, resilient nature is. And, and we chose to name the network after that, because um, if everyone could be a little bit more like a water bear, then I think the world would be a better place. Yeah. And uh, I feel like that resilience, as I'm doing this podcast, I hear that the most often is... That story of resilience, um, nature will always, not to quote, I was trying not to quote Jurassic Park, but nature will find a way, <laughs> right? I mean, there's always, uh, there's always, I think it was uh, David Attenborough's most recent series where he was talking about forests and how forests have spawned in Chernobyl and how there's more wildlife within Chernobyl now, 30 years later, in places that humans can't go without protection. There's more wildlife there now than in the surrounding areas. So, it's it's one of those things that I think highlights the positive the positivity and the optimism that Water Bear has is you know centered around that resilience centered around that fact that hey there will if we allow nature if all we do is leave it alone it will replenish itself for the most part if we don't keep uh, taking from it without giving or, or polluting it um, so I love the fact yeah, that you have absolutely. that yeah I think you know. We, we kind of always say this thing where I think the earth, nature, and the species that exist on the planet will be around for a very long time to come. It's just whether humans are part of that future yeah. um, and how many species we take down with us, basically, with, with the extinction crisis that we face. And I think it's a big reason for hope, you know, to come back to your point, Brian, it's a big reason for hope um, that nature can heal itself, it can restore, it can rewild. Um, and, you know, I think people are waking up to the fact that natural climate solutions, the simple act of planting a tree, um, can just be one of the, you know, best things that we can do on the planet to kind of restore, restore the balance and, and put things back into, into a balance that is so lost and, and, you know, has been so destroyed over the last, you know, hundred years of human history. Would you say you're like, I have to train, I have to train myself to be hopeful. Um, I have to train myself to be positive about it. And, and I think deep down I, I am. Um, but it gets frustrating when you see a lot of content that might be negative or might not have solutions-based um, ideas baked into it. Do you find that you're a, a hopeful person or do you find that like, you know, you have to train yourself into that way by watching content or by engaging with nature in a certain way? I think I was certainly more hopeful before the pandemic. I think there's a there's sure, there's yeah. an amazing ability of being stuck inside all day to get you to start uh, <laughs> being a bit less hopeful. Yeah. But no, I am. I'm a I'm a stubborn optimist. I, I I'm a believer in, in Christiana Figueres' is, is narrative there. I, I think we are 
going to be able to, to get ourselves into a better place and a brighter future and, and use stories to do that. I, I lose myself in stories every day and that gives me hope, you know, stories of the amazing people around the world who are doing the most crazy innovative things and, you know, the innovations, you know, whether it's paint that is absorbing carbon from the atmosphere or tires that are collecting microplastics or, you know, whatever it might be, there's just constant innovation and, and, and storytelling that's going on around it. But I, I get it, you know, there's there's an anger out there, there's a there's a revolution going on and there's a frustration. And we need pretty fast systemic change in action to actually stand a chance of, of, of hitting some of the targets we need to hit. Um, and without that, uh, it's it's not a pretty picture. But no, stories are an amazing tool to inspire hope and, and that's what we try to do at Waterbear. Yeah, it's it's pretty much all we have, uh, I feel. Um, I, that's, I'm pretty impressed because I had no idea about the paint. <laughs> I had no idea about the tires. It's really interesting when you hear about new organizations or organizations that have been around for a while, companies, what have you, that have those kind of initiatives. That's what I really like about Water Bear was that really um, drew me to you guys was the fact that you are putting your money where your mouth is about sustainability. You're not just telling the stories about sustainability. It's not just, hey, we, we've got content that has sustainability-centered stories. It's we've got content that has sustainability-centered stories. Here's how you can help them. And guess what? We, in turn, are also sustainable. We also have sustainable practices that we abide by. Um, I wonder if you can talk yeah. a little bit about that and the decisions behind those uh, practices and, and decisions. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think impact and sustainability it's for many years and for many people has been a little bit of an afterthought oh that sounds like a nice thing to do or that sounds like a nice thing to say and you know it's actually a dna it's a value it's a it's a core component of of who you are or who, or who you're not and i think for us at water bear everything is centered on trying to have an impact whether that's you know our quest to become a b corp which is underway um and very exciting um and hopefully going to be one of the first video on demand platforms on the planet to, to become a b corp um through to our production model that we employ which is a, a, a kind of decentralized model you know we had a remote directing and, and and producing experience in in romania the other day we had a team on the ground a, a local team local camera operator uh, and our crew was directing that shoot from from amsterdam and you know that's a covid proof strategy it's a forward-thinking strategy you don't need to fly around the world you don't need to fly expensive cameras around the world storytelling is easy accessible and, and beautiful so you know we're really working hard to ingrain sustainability and an impact philosophy into everything that we do and you know interestingly in the film world impact starts at the beginning of the process not at the end you know you don't create a film and then go how do we get people to see it and how do we get people to act upon it you have to bake that into your plan from before you even start the film and that's something that we're working on a lot in the charity space in the non-profit space you know trying to fund produce and distribute those stories with an impact plan to go alongside it you know it's not just enough to produce content anymore the world needs to see it and the world needs to be able to act upon it yeah yeah you're kind of um you're kind of flying in the face of your own uh, mission and values if you were to not consider those things consider sustainability consider I yeah absolutely the, yeah the, the way you guys are um are hosting the content is on vimeo which is cool like they use le less emissions like you're thinking that nuance you're thinking that granular uh which is practicing what you preach and and kind of the the only way out of this um i guess dilemma we've we've found ourselves in as of late Absolutely. You know, streaming is, is a little bit of an elephant in the room around the world. You know, the, the energy usage is, is colossal. 
um, you know, it's a, it's a necessary evil in our digital media world um, and something that we're very conscious of and working towards a sustainable solution for. Uh, we're really happy with our, our partners at Vimeo and Akamai, um, who, who are kind of leaders in the space and, and, you know, they're doing a great job. Um, and we always want to get better and improve and be authentic about where we're not improving and, and work even harder. Um, so that's, yeah, what we want to do. And, and, you know, to run water there off renewable energy is the dream. And, and hopefully, you know, technology and our partnerships will, will allow that and facilitate it down the line. Um, it's also down to the end, end user as well, you know, um, to, to, to be conscious of that and, and really work hard on their own personal devices, their own technology to minimize energy wastage and usage. And, and you know, I think, you know, it's, it's a collective effort. And, and really, that's why we want to build a waterbed community so we can start to interact with everyone right down to, to the individual uh, and really communicate why we do what we do and, and, and better that every day. Yeah, I agree. And so how did you, so you have a, a background in wildlife filmmaking, um, a lot of content creation on your own. Like how did you get involved in, um, in water bear? What, what is your personal arc that brought you here? I've always been involved in sustainability and the environment uh, ever since I was a kid. Um, I sometimes say I, I was involved in it before it was cool. Um, although it, in some ways, I think it's 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 been the coolest thing around for a long time. Um, and studied biology, studied biological sciences, fell in love with animals, had heroes as a kid. You know, Steve Irwin um, was, was just the coolest dude around for me and um, just got lost in the world of film and photography. And uh, that led me um, to the BBC Natural History Unit, where I studied for 15 months and, and, and achieved a master's in, in the subject. And actually then went a little bit rogue um, and, and was the only person on the course to not go and you know continue working at the BBC. And I left and, and got lost in the world of short form and digital and sustainability comms back in, in London, um, which was great fun. And then a long story short, uh, worked my way through various roles, raising funds for charities, project managing projects, running ecotourism experiences in the jungles of Belize, through to, you know, making and, and trying to help finance films. And that's how I met Ellen, our CEO and founder, um, whose kind of brainchild really Water Bear is. Um, and, you know, a, a few years later was, was in Amsterdam, um, working with Ellen and the team, Victor and, and Pierre and, and some other great colleagues to kind of bring water bear to the world. And it's been an amazing journey so far. So it's been about two years since initial conception to, uh, you know, point of entry in the market. Uh, I'd say a little bit longer, actually, you know, um, Ellen's, Ellen's been dreaming of this for, for a long time. You know, she spent the best part of the last 30 years producing, amazing films and stories with her company off the fence. Um, and I think, you know, over the years she became, uh, in need of a, a platform that really celebrated authentic, true storytelling with impact. And I think she wanted to create this, this platform, but was waiting for technology to catch up, waiting for time and, and budgets to allow. Um, and you know, Victor, our MD and, and a few other colleagues got involved and started to kind of bring, bring the, the, the project to life. Um, and that was about two years ago. And, and then we all worked pretty hard and, you know, very humbled and proud to say that during the probably the two most crazy years yeah. Um, yeah. In, all of, in, all of, in all of our memories, you know, um, we thought 2020 was weird. And then 2021 started in an even weirder way. Um, you know, we managed to kind of launch a product to eight territories around the world, you know, build a community of thousands of people already and, and you know, 
produce stories, bring on 80 non-profit partners and everything in between. So, yeah, it's been a journey, ups and downs and, and changes and pivots. But, you know, all good things come to those who wait, I guess. Yeah. So what? So of those 80 nonprofits, what types of, like, who's involved in that? What types of content can people see? Um, is any of your content on Waterbear? So, yeah, the, the, the nonprofit partners that we are working with um, principally are, are quite biodiversity focused for now. You know, we've split the year this year into four quarters and four themes. Um, so we're, we're leading with biodiversity. It's, a, it's an area of the industry that we're all quite comfortable with. We've all spent time uh, producing lots of time uh, producing content in that space. And, and, you know, we have some pretty uh, long term strategic partners in, in that industry. So it made a lot of sense for us. Um, also, the biodiversity crisis, you know, is one of the, the biggest things that we face right now. And right. um, we then move kind of into a climate quarter. So obviously the climate crisis sits above all these things, you know, COVID, everything, the, the climate crisis is the real elephant in the room. Um, and so we're going to be start to tell more climate stories and bring on more climate nonprofits and NGOs and organizations. Um, and then we move into circularity and community. So the NGOs on the platform now are, are quite biodiversity focused, but we're broadening the platform out to cover much more of the kind of sustainable development goal spectrum. So we're really using the SDGs as our kind of roadmap and our Bible for storytelling over the next few years and really trying to further each goal um, with every film and, and story that we tell. Um, and in terms of content, you know, we, we took the strategic decision way back when to not limit Waterbear to any type of content. We wanted to have a really varied content library. You know, for some other platforms, there's a there's a long form format or there's a short form format or there's a particular uh, style that they go for. You know, we focus on, you know, unearthing untold stories of, of any kind, of any format. We have short form, long form, feature docs um, and looking to move into some live programming and, and other fun stuff this year. So really, it's a, it's a varied content library um, that offers something for everyone. Um, and it's going to grow, you know, day by day over the coming weeks and months. And we've got some really exciting stories and content to tell. Nice. Yeah, I've uh, already I've seen some. Well, there's a lot of award winning films on there. There's all you're right. There's it spans from you know some are hours long, some are just a couple minutes long, but they're all pretty impactful. Um, and they're all again, they all like allow you to take action upon it. How how important do you find that storytelling is in conservation? To me, I think it's one of the few tools that we have at our disposal uh, that can effectively and probably more um, reliably change opinions or at least engage users or engage supporters. Um, I'm just curious about how you feel about that and how you think, like, again, it's hard to measure, but if you've seen any positive trends with, uh, with storytelling and thus with conservation in general. Yeah, I think storytelling is one of the kind of biggest tools we've got in our arsenal. You know, history is, is just, you know, the story we tell ourselves, really. And, and I think we are seeing this shift in narrative. I think for the last 30 years or so, you know, and beyond, there's been quite a, a hardcore narrative in this space, you know, one of almost guilt and you should be doing more and you should be feeling bad and you should be contributing more and, you know, changing your life to do this. And all those things are very true. But I think, you know, as, as these next generations come through, we're seeing much more of a kind of solutions mindset. How do we do this? Um, there's a deep-rooted anger there. There's a kind of revolutionary spirit. And I think storytelling can start to unlock these audiences around the world that maybe haven't 
engaged so deeply with with conservation and and some of these amazing projects and people on the front line so it's an amazing tool i think one of the cool spaces that we operate in is there's such a disparate fragmented industry that we face you know there's people all over the world doing amazing things and their stories are all incredible and maybe they haven't had the skills or the funding or the time to actually tell their story and that's really the niche that we're trying to sit in you know to to not only fund but also produce and distribute stories of these amazing you know projects and people around the world and and for the first time aggregate all of that content in one place so that you as a as a consumer as a citizen can actually go and you know download water bear log in for free um and actually dive into this world of storytelling that hasn't been all brought together in in one space before so i think it's the greatest tool we've got and i think we need to do more um and i think as a little call to action i think funders need to get behind storytelling as much as they can because um although it's not trees in the ground or kids in school or um people getting better the, the stories can can live on for a long time and unlock all of those things so we need to get many more people funding and 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 creating stories yeah i know i, I saw in your history that you worked um or at least volunteered with uh, dr jane goodall institute and i know that she has a master class and it's all about storytelling um, which is incredible. It, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, someone who's that involved in conservation realizes that storytelling not only can effectively um, change the opinions of adults, but especially of children, especially of people who are um, still learning, still understanding where they fit in this world and, and hopefully to be able to navigate in a world without, I like the way you put it, without grief, without um, guilt, without anxiety over the future, but feeling hopeful about it. Um, and I'm wondering if that's something I've heard you actually talk about that. Like, I feel like anyone who's really paying attention, especially in the past 12 months to anything conservation or um, you know, pandemic related or biodiversity is going to have a healthy amount of anxiety with it. Like, do is there ways, <laughs> do you know how, do you cope with that in certain ways or do you um, do you have any any strategies for dealing with that? It's funny. I think it's a really interesting subject, and, and actually, I was talking about this to some you know millennial age Gen Z reporters, and 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 they threw it kind of back in my face in a great way. You know, they said it's very easy to say focus on the solutions, focus on you know the optimism, be a stubborn optimist, to use a Cristiano Figueroa's line. Um, but I think there is a deep-rooted anger and rebellion um, in some of those younger audiences, and, and absolutely rightly so, you know, with their future in such jeopardy. So, yes, we need to react and tell and paint a picture and use stories as a lens through which we can kind of step towards a, a better future. But I think there needs to be a massive acknowledgement and systemic shift to to hear out these younger audiences who are who are angry and and really rightly so and and maybe the solutions narratives don't resonate with those guys you know they want the rebellion they want the direct action and i think all of these revolutions we're seeing around the world are a direct result of that um and are amazing and and have such a place in our in our world i think as long as then that is put to a constructive outcome um and and the change is 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 really seen then then you know all power to it but i think yeah to come back to your question um grief and the overwhelming nature of some of the news and constant barrage of you know stories that we get from around our world uh, is, is very very daunting and i think you know 
we need to employ strategies and, and the main one I've got is is to go and you know re-engage with nature you know I think I feel the nature deficit come on all the time you know especially at the moment never getting out the house I realized I hadn't left the house in three days the other day just because I've been sitting at my computer working yeah. speaking on zoom calls and doing the endless kind of you know whirlpool of, of digital stuff and actually the best strategy we've got is to stop that get out into nature reconnect and, and just go and you know take some time to, to unwind and, and and dissolve into kind of our our planet which is where we need to be yeah I hear that I um if it wasn't for my dog the past few days I wouldn't have been outside either <laughs> Right. Um, what sort of dog have you got? Uh, we've got a labradoodle. Um, so he's he's a he's a mess. He looks like he's ninety, but he's actually just two years old. So he's got a lot of energy. So we have to take him out. Full of lot. energy, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> but beyond that, he's um, like he's the reason we we would uh, I would go outside, especially now with the the winters and the sun setting as early as it does. And you're right, you can feel it. the absence of being outside and being with nature. Um, I feel that. Every single day, and I think that's uh, that's kind of the the fine line as well. There's a lot of engaging content out there. The big thing is go out and see as much of that as you uh, you know of yourself as you can. Um, I know that was what changed me into really wanting to be a big part of conservation. Was I lived in Southeast Asia for a bit, um, which mm. changed me to, to love to travel, and then I also did a couple tours in Africa, once in South Africa, once in Uganda. Um, and and that's tough now. I mean, you're obviously there's there's no travel really to these places, especially when you're seeing really critically endangered species like mountain gorillas or or anything like that. Have you mm. seen that impacted in the storytelling? Have you seen you know people adapting to how they can not travel in this time or um, within the stories themselves even? Yeah, and, and I I struggle with the travel um, piece a little bit myself. You know. I, I've never seen people impacted in a more positive way with the natural world than when they're actually in it. And, you know, we've had these amazing transformative trips over the years with whatever it's, you know, students, donors, young offenders. We've, we've kind of been involved with a lot of that stuff. And the transformative effect of travel is, is so clear and, and so evident for, for everyone um, around the world, you know. There is a privilege that comes with travel. There is a sustainability concern. Um, and, you know, it's something that I'm wrestling with a little bit as, you know, we build Water Bear out to have a travel offering because we believe that the story of, of, of Water Bear is not complete without the ability to actually go and see the things that we're talking about. Um, and yes, over the last you know year when people haven't been able to, to travel, I've, I've seen the kind of emergence of such amazing opportunities to digitally absorb yourself in 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 some of these destinations just on a call yesterday you know we had an amazing 3d experience company talking to us about how they could basically you could try before you buy right so you could be in a vr headset and and you know oh, wow. be in them with be with the mountain gorillas and you know for a fraction of the cost you could just check out whether it's something you actually wanted to do and i think you know the next 10 <laughs> years is going to be crazy um in terms of the kind of technological revolution that will go on in that space but i you know travel has a place in our future we need to celebrate it i'm really hoping the kind of uh the innovation and the sustainability options in terms of how you travel slow tourism is amazing you know we've done bike tours in the mountains of romania um the jungles of belize the highlands of scotland and you know there are amazing ways to travel that are very low impact on our planet and i think you know we need to celebrate those and and, and give access to those people who um, that's never been an option for, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of organisms that are sustained by ecotourism, like mountain gorillas themselves. Really, are sustained by ecotourism. There's a lot uh, exponentially more that are being impacted negatively by too much travel. Anything around um, you know uh, Vietnam and Thailand; those are really difficult, or Indonesia; those are really difficult areas to have the right amount of travel uh, and travelers, and then also have it be sustainable. Yeah, it's a very de- delicate balance here. You know, you you want you know sustainable enterprise models to work in these rural communities, and you know, travel is probably one of the only ones uh, you know that's that's easy to kind of facilitate in some ways, um, or, or easier than some of the others, and you know, without relying on you know charitable models and donations and funders and and, and aid. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a big believer in in in, in that, um, but you know, success brings failure in some ways in that space because then you know these these amazing places are are often overrun and you know it's again something that i wrestle with daily to try and work out where you know where is the best use of our support is the best use of our storytelling um and how we want to celebrate and support these projects um but it's an amazing tool when done right for sure so so you see a lot of projects you see a lot of initiatives what is a common thread that you see around the ones that succeed or around the ones that at least perform better? Uh, is there something that they're doing right or they're doing more often or they're not doing that the ones that might not have as much success are missing out on? There's usually a crazy individual or group of individuals that, you know, live, breathe and die by their work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the conservation passion comes through in such a big way around the world you know it's an industry full of amazing inspirational people uh, who all have amazing inspirational stories to tell and that is a common thread through all the partners of water bear and through all the um organizations and, and individuals that we work with just an unwavering desire to do something that's beyond themselves and and has a much higher purpose and reason to be i think another common thread is the ability to kind of be resilient and dig deep and thrive and think outside the day-to-day you know they're they're always up for the next challenge up for the next new project up for the next new innovative idea and and you know this this constant desire to to iterate and try the new thing is is definitely a trait of all the organizations that we work with and if we can support them in our small way by telling that story um i think that's a, a really um, interesting space to, to, to work in. But yeah, that, that common thread is certainly passion and an unwavering desire to, to do something that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. I've, um, yeah, I've totally seen that in the videos. I've also seen a lot of, um, a lot more emphasis and I appreciate this on the communities. So let's just say I've seen a couple of the videos about, um, I think it was the, the one for refugees, but it was about, uh, displaced elephants. And mm. it was talking about the people in the area and it's really f- focusing on the community and the impact it has in the community as much as it does on the, um, you know, the biodiversity and these species themselves. Because if you're not going to be able to allow communities to in some way, shape or form benefit from the environment, then they're not going to want to protect them. And I, I can't blame them. Um, so I think that's a really cool thread that I've seen in a lot of water bear content. It seems like it's a, a bit more of a groundswell happening of, of that grassroots movement. It's not kick everyone out and protect this area. It's let's learn to protect this area with the people who live in that or around the area. 
that's it's great you notice that i think you know we are curating and selecting titles that really try to bridge the gap between people and nature and and you know move away from this us and them narrative of you know uh divisive uh, storytelling i think you know we, what we want to do is position people as part of nature as part of this big system that we we live in it's very easy to say and and you know uh hard to deliver but i think you know we really need to build this overriding values driven narrative that really positions people um at the center of this in a solutions based way as as well as you know revealing the problems of course but yeah no we 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 are trying to to build this library of content that really reconnects people with the natural world and 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 shows that collaboration and coexistence is is really possible yeah absolutely um Sorry, I'm, I'm on the site right now, and I, I've uh, I've actually seen some new. It looks like some new content just got uploaded today. Um, yeah, we've just put our new schedule out, so yeah, there'll be some there'll be some fresh fresh yeah. videos to watch on there. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah, I'm looking at this uh, Red Wolf Arrival, which is, I think there's less than twenty in the wild. I've I've um, I used to live around where they were, uh, and oh, really, where's that? It's uh, it's in North uh, North Carolina, so it's this place called the Outer Banks, um, and it's a really big popular destination for, um, you know, it's right on the beach, so it's a really popular destination for uh, travelers who are going to the beaches over the summer. But people don't realize twenty minutes inland, you can howl and you can hear the red, red wolves howling back at you if you're yeah, super makes- super lucky. But they're um, they're being pushed out. It's really depressing. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping uh, I'm yeah, hoping one of my section yeah. here. One of my yeah, we're 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 working hard on that actually, and uh, yeah, can reveal more in in due course. But um, yeah, one of the the best wildlife moments I've ever had was in Yellowstone years ago, and you know we were just standing there with cameras and spotting scopes, and you know stomping around in the snow doing the kind of usual stuff, and then suddenly from behind us this wolf pack kind of came over the hill and you know we were in the lamar valley and you know these these wolves just walked straight past us and literally you know five meters away alpha female wild wolf just looking straight in your eyes and you just kind of you know those moments stay with you forever and you know those wild interactions are are very special and you know they're amazing creatures yeah. we uh oh, sorry yeah no no go for it please no no that's it and and it's amazing how even now in the filmmaking industry, we're still finding new stories to tell and new ways to tell that story, you know, in the new David Attenborough series that came out last week, you know, the first Arctic wolf hunt, uh, hunt filmed in the kind of polar night, you know, it's just blew my mind. Some of this in the kind of cinematography there. So yeah, there's still stories out there that need to be told. And, and, you know, it's amazing what technology can do to kind of unleash those, those new stories. Yeah. You hit on something I just, I think about often. Haven't we already told these stories? Haven't we really, like, when will the general public be bored of of these stories of conservation? Maybe they're not as involved in it as, you know, they could be there. Maybe they're not as uh, motivated, but I don't think that's on the horizon, at least any time yet. We just saw, you mentioned David Attenborough, but I think it was on planet Earth, Life on Planet Earth, one of his um, relatively newer series. He's talking about how... He has new. This is footage that's never really been recorded of a of a blue whale and its calf, or of um, you know inside a flower. At this perspective, or something like that. Like, there's just so many different options. I'm glad to hear someone in the industry feeling the same way that there are. There's really a lot more fertile ground for storytelling. Oh yeah, it's it's just endless. I think you know 
we um, we're surprised every day with the ingenuity and, and creativity of the filmmakers that we work with. And, you know, there's just a never ending stream of amazing stories from around the world. We've actually set up our, our new nonprofit arm, which is called the Resilient Foundation, which takes its name from the core characteristic of a water bear and, and the little strap line that we started to use for, for resilient is unearthing the untold. And, you know, some, some people would think, you know, what other stories can you tell out there? We've kind of documented everywhere. We've traveled all over the world, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the ingenuity of humans and people to, to, to find these stories and, and translate them into um, amazing moving images, just, you know, a constant daily surprise at water bear when we get to watch all this amazing content. So yeah, if you're out there and you've got great films, come and hit us up because, you know, we, <laughs> we, we want to be the home for, for all those films. Is there anything that you really, do you have any favorites on the site? Is there anything that you really, um, you know, either either touched you or, you know, told a story in a way that you hadn't seen it yet? There's a beautiful little film that everyone should check out called Camel Finds Water, which is a favorite of mine. Um, very funny, almost kind of Wes Anderson in style and, and really, you know, just some great, great filmmaking. Um, we're really excited in the coming weeks, I think I can say this, that we'll be launching a new strand of content uh, that will be for for rent, you know, feature films that you can rent um, oh, wow. and, and actually, you know, dive into kind of some longer format content. I can't reveal some of the titles, but sure. let's just say you will uh, you will know some of them, which is really exciting. So some more content coming on. Um, I'm loving some of our amazing impact productions that we're working on, uh, you know, with the NGO partners that we, we uh, support or try to support in our own small way um and yeah just just go and check it out for yourself there's a, there's a i think 179 different films on the platform now so um you know enough to keep you busy for a few days <laughs> yeah and you also have like straight conversations and interviews um seemed like you interviewed prince harry recently i saw a bit of that um which i know he was very involved and has been very involved in conservation but i had no idea he was such a you know, a thought leader to this extent. Do you get surprised by the types of content or the NGOs or the or the the people who are actually leaders in this field? Do they ever surprise you? Oh, yeah, all the time. We had such a, a lovely conversation with um, Prince Harry, who's, you know, been pretty boots on the ground for his entire life. You know, he's the president of African Parks, um, a partner of ours, and, and you know, does, does a lot of work in the space and is now getting more and increasingly involved in, in the film industry and in the documentary space, which is really exciting. And, and it was yeah, great to chat to him and, and compliment him on his dance moves, which um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still can't, I still can't work out if that went down well or not. Um, <laughs> I think it went well. No, it was a, it was a really, it was a nice experience to, to, to chat to Prince Harry, of course. And yeah, we're going to be releasing some, some new uh, interviews over the coming months. Um, there's a, a one coming next week with a, particularly um well-known game of thrones star um which is kind of exciting um and yeah that was great to chat to her but i'll I'll leave for listeners to go and check it out on water bear but yeah we really want to bring a lot of different voices to to water bear from all over the world to kind of um join us for these interviews with impact that we call them on our interview series called the bear hug And, and really the idea is that um, it's a bit like Desert Island Discs, but for water bear content and, and impact. So, you know, we, we, we kind of point to different films on the platform that our guests choose, which is really lovely because they, 
dive into the library and, and pick their favorites and then you know we we give some shout outs and, and then we end with a kind of clear call to action on the platform uh for for one of the supported projects so it's a really lovely um really lovely experience uh, and i'm very lucky to be able to to have chats with such cool people <laughs> so how can someone let's say someone does have a lot of content how can someone be a part of having their content on water bear well, it's, it's as easy as sending us an email and uh, having a chat, really. You know, we, we are constantly scouring the, the world for, for great content. We, we like short-form content. We're, we're building this library of predominantly short-form content. Um, so if you do have short-form content that you think needs a home or has a purpose or um, could, you know, create an impact then then please do let us know you know we, we've got some amazing um team our side who who specialize in this stuff and yeah we'd love love to get it on the platform so yeah reach out um info at waterbear.com and, and you know we can we can go from there i think one of the key things that have, has emerged from the last couple of years of the journey is there's so much talent in the space and you know only a small percentage of the work that is hitting you know the mainstream platforms is is really engaged with only only a small percentage of that is actually hitting the main platforms mm. um and i think there's a, such a body of work um especially in the short form space that does the festival circuit that goes around the world um but maybe doesn't quite find a home um and you know if if your content has a purpose and has you know been around the block and, and you know you think you wanted to get it on water bear then yeah please do reach out because we, we are working with so many award-winning filmmakers and creating so many new stories together that it's you know a really amazing part of the journey nice what about someone who just wants to uh to watch how can someone be involved from that aspect it's a it's a pretty simple ask really you know water bear is free um there's nothing to do all you need to do is is go and either log on on the web uh so we've got a web platform um and you can sign up and be a member um and and join the kind of community we're really building this community uh feel to water bear we want we want uh, our community to be able to engage with each other one day and and you know to to really interact so but for now um it's as simple as logging in um and, and diving into the kind of world of water bear we also have a, have a mobile app that's available in, in, in eight countries and, and territories around the world at the moment. And, and that will be rolling out um, a lot further this year. It's a big part of the plan is to get water bear into new countries and new languages uh, at some point. Um, and, and yeah, just start with, with watching some content and losing yourself in the worlds of some of these stories. And, and then, you know, you'll get sucked down a rabbit hole hopefully and, and end up, you know, in Africa or in Antarctica or further afield or under the sea. And then, you know, we'll, um, we'll hopefully hook you in with an interesting project that you could read about. And then you'll click through onto an amazing NGO that you want to go and find out more about. And then think, oh, yeah, these guys are amazing. I want to give, you know, a few um, pounds, dollars, euros uh, to, to these guys. And, and you can kind of do it all on Water Bear. And, and you know, one day when, when this um, pandemic passes, you know, you'll be able to, you know, book volunteer experiences, find out more about traveling dial into live events and, and do all sorts of stuff. So we're really building this whole roster of things you can do, but start with watching some content. There's, there's a lot out there and the stories are, are amazing. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Sam. I want to appreciate, um, or I want to thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. What you guys are doing. I think this is not only is the, 
the best way. I think it's the most surefire way to change people's perspective. And you're right. Even if people just watch the content and that's it and they change their own behavior, well, great. But if they're going and sharing it, if they're going and following through and supporting these NGOs directly, um, you know, if, if they're uploading their own content, I mean, there's so many opportunities. If they're traveling with you guys, there's so many opportunities you have provided um, that I think it's our best shot. Things, initiatives like this are our best shot of helping um, conservation issues, biodiversity, and obviously the big elephant in the room with climate change. So thank you so much for your time um, and everything you've done with Water Baron for your time today as well. Oh, my pleasure, Brian. Thanks so much for, for inviting me on. And yeah, I hope we can continue to, to tell stories and share stories together for, for many more um, months and years to come. Thanks for joining. If you liked that episode, feel free to rate, view, and subscribe. That actually really helps. If you haven't seen it yet, take a look at the accompanying blog, don'tforgetyourboots.com, where you can read more and see photos for all the interviews. Until next time, take care.